Welcome to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm Ethan Fleischer, game designer for Magic R&D. And I'm Kelly Diggs. I was uh, one of the creative leads on Dominaria. So this is uh, part three of our five-part series on Dominaria. Today we're going to cover the mending. Yeah, the mending. So this is a this is a big topic. Maybe maybe you've heard of it, but don't know exactly what it is. Uh, it happened on Dominaria, but had implications that hit the entire Magic multiverse. So we're going to break down a little bit of how it came about and some of what those implications are. Just kind of put it all in one place in a, in a way it's never been before. So the word mending suggests to me that something was broken and had to be repaired. Yeah, and Dominari was broken and had been broken repeatedly. Um, one of one of my little laugh lines in some of my presentations to, to various teams around the office was, you know, Dominari is a world that knows the plural of the word apocalypse. You know, <laughs> they've had a few. All of these earth-shaking, earth-shattering events, like a ton. Um, so to run those down real quickly, shrouded in the mists of time, Nicol Bolas fought a planeswalker duel against an ancient demon leviathan planeswalker, mm -hmm. about whom we know very little, at a place called Madara. Uh, you have Urza's famous Silex Blast, where he detonated the Golgothian Silex at Argoth and brought on the Ice Age. Uh, you have Freilis' world spell that ended the Ice Age and brought on all these floods and plagues and stuff. Um, you have Urza again, causing the Talarian Temporal Disaster, where time exploded. Um, and then you've got uh, the Phyrexian Invasion, the Wrathy Overlay that we talked about, I think, last week, and uh, a, a number of separate terrible things that happened during that. Um, and then finally you have the rise and fall of the false god, Corona, who was kind of an embodiment of Dominaria's mana. When she died, that's when things got really, really bad. And you have something called the Rift Era. So what was the Rift Era like? What sets did we see that in? Time Spiral is where we saw the most of that. Um, it's the setting for the whole Time Spiral block. Um, that's once things had gotten really bad. I, I would imagine it was a gradual process um, that, you know, after Corona's death, things got worse and worse and worse and worse. Right, it was really bad. There was, like, salt flats where Benalia used to be and deserts everywhere and everyone had to wear gas masks yeah, people, and the goblins didn't have noses. People weeping black blood, all of that. I don't know what they were eating, maybe, like when chickens and cows came forward in time through the time rifts, they ate those, I'm not sure. But yeah, so it was a complete mess. We, we talked a little about this before as well. And not only, you know, so you have these time rifts. It's opened rifts in time. So Dominaria's mana and vitality are draining away into these rifts in time. And then you have things from the past, things from alternate realities. Uh, it's implied by the Future Sight card set at least, things from the future bleeding into the present and showing up. But that's not all. It gets even worse than that because at the time, Dominaria was the nexus of the multiverse. It was kind of this central plane that had connections to many different planes. All right, let's let's drill into this a little bit because this is this is a word that I see bandied around a lot. The nexus of the multiverse, mm -hmm. but uh, very little discussion about what that actually means. I think I think we have a couple of ideas that are just kind of in that area, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think when you look at some of the old canon what exactly that meant and how established that was kind of varies as you go through time. The, the idea picked up steam as you went along. Um, it, it certainly had to do with the fact that Dominaria had connections to many planes. There, there was and is this idea that some planes are sort of closer metaphysically uh, to other planes than, than, to, than to some others. Um, so Dominaria was quote-unquote, close to many planes. Dominaria also had lots of stable planar portals on it before the mending, right? right? which were a rarity, but a thing that did exist. Um, permanent portals to... Portals to Old Grotha. Yep. 
portals to Rabaya. Yep. Uh, there's the um, the Talon Gates had a, a connection to Kamigawa. The caves at Koilos had an possibly oh, yeah. artificial or at least artificially stabilized planar portal to Phyrexia. Um, yeah, so there were all these planar portals. So Dominari was connected through um, the ether or the blind eternities, the space, not space, between planes, uh, to many, many other worlds. Um, depending on who you ask and when you ask them, maybe all of them. Maybe it's maybe Nexus means the center of the multiverse, or maybe it just means a very important plane and kind of a, a metaphysical linchpin. Right. And one of the internal documents that we came across when we were doing all of our research for this uh, had a, an interesting tidbit in it that I hadn't, hadn't seen in any publicly released material that just kind of fascinated me, which was... The idea that Dominia, which was another word for the multiverse, was analogous to a galaxy, and Dominaria was sitting in the center of this galaxy, and all of the other planes were kind of moving around it, and then Rabia was its own little galaxy. Rabia was was divided into a thousand and one different planes. Whoa, whoa! At a ninety degree angle from Dominia. Uh-huh. Again, with Dominaria in the middle. Yeah, so we don't dig into the cosmology in that way uh, anymore. It's certainly interesting, but uh, I don't right, know. Right, it was it's useless. None of this stuff showed up in the fiction. How many How many even of these planar portals showed up in the fiction? Very few. Not a lot. A lot of them were sort of explaining similarities or discrepancies between it's things. Like, it's like something that goes into the, the world-building background stuff that yeah. isn't practical, and we've kind of learned as we've iterated on our process, like find out what aspects of world building actually have practical implications for making a magic set or even writing magic fiction and include that stuff and not so much these like huge cosmological uh Concepts. Yeah, you know, and 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 fans, uh, bless you. Uh, we 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 love you, you hardcore flavor fans. But uh, you know, fans have gotten a hold of some of those internal documents uh, and taken them taken them as gospel. Um, again, not to say they're not canonical. It's just that for virtually all magic fiction or cards or anything, they're not important. Um, so so. In fact, Dominaria was this nexus of the multiverse. That also reflected the narrative fact that everything important happened on Dominaria and most of the other planes we visited, Olgratha, Wrath, Mercadia, Phyrexia, had some kind of link to Dominaria. Right, they even, they even existed in. in relation to Dominaria. Right. I have I've referred to them as Dominarian suburbs. Yeah. Um, they were often settled by refugees from Dominaria. Wrath, um, <laughs> we smashed into Dominaria. Uh, so, uh, so Dominaria was super, super important, and that importance became a metaphysical one as well. So when you had these time rifts, they were bleeding out and causing problems on Kamigawa, on Ravnica, on Lorwyn slash Shadowmoor. Um, big, big stuff. So, um, the planeswalker Teferi and uh, his pal Joyra, uh, the great inventor, um, were hanging out somewhere. We're not exactly sure where. Uh, when Teferi became aware that um, the continent of Shiv, which he had phased out of time, or at least most of it, was going to return. Uh, that it was going to return and that it wasn't going to fit. The untapped uh, step had, was about to arrive. That's right. That's correct. Um, somebody had just passed priority in the end step of the previous turn. Shiv was coming back. And uh, that that was going to cause a huge problem. So he and Joyra went to, went, returned to Dominaria, rallied a bunch of planeswalkers and other heroes uh, and some villains and, you know, tried, tried to fix this. Teferi ends up giving up his spark uh, in order to seal the Shivan time rift uh, and bring Shiv back safely. Right, these rifts were in some sense hungry for planeswalker sparks. Right, and ultimately um, all of them 
came down to the actions of Planeswalkers. The idea was that uh, the Planeswalker Spark, you can think of as a little bit of the ether, a little bit of the Blind Eternities that becomes imprinted on a soul as it becomes embodied in a being. Don't ask me when exactly that happens. Um, but uh, but they've definitely, there's definitely, we found plenty of internal documents talking about it as this kind of birthmark of the soul that the ether leaves. Um, and that's what makes you a Planeswalker. That is the, the nascent, the, the ability to ignite as a Planeswalker. Um, and these sparks, these bits of ether embodied in people, were shredding the substance of the multiverse, were ripping these holes in time and space, and it was a huge problem. So it was down to the Planeswalkers giving up their own uh, Planeswalker sparks, in some cases their lives, to seal it. So Teferi gives up his spark. Uh, Freilis, uh gives up her life to seal... Um, the Sky Shroud. The Sky Rift. Shroud. Rift, the place right. where the Sky Shroud Forest, which had been on Raft, uh, Wrath, uh, appeared in the land of Keld. Right. Multani was badly hurt, not destroyed, but badly hurt, sealing uh, the rift at uh, at Yavimaya. Um, Lord Wingrace um, died, said his spirit would be watching over Urborg, which uh, may or may not be true. It's hard to tell, um, but certainly his physical body was destroyed. Karn uh, sealed the Talarian Rift with his spark. Even Bolas helped out by bravely sacrificing Leshrac's spark and throwing him into a time rift, which is one of my very favorite things that Bolas has ever done. It's very noble of him. Yeah. Um, Bolas did that knowing there was one more rift, and he didn't think that the heroes were going to successfully seal the last one. So he wished them luck, said Sayonara, and said that he had a little bolt hole prepared for this whole multiverse collapsing thing, which is what was going to happen, that the multiverse was in danger of actual collapse. Well, that is not what happened. Um, the planeswalker Jessica, who used to be Corona, it's complicated, um, seals the last and largest rift at Otaria, which was just the entire Otarian continent. That's where Corona died. Um, huge rift. She gives up her life to seal it. Uh, and this brings about something that is known as the Great Mending or the Mending. Um, fun fact, the term Great Mending is actually coined in the Future Sight novel by Nicol Bolas. Mm. He's the first one to say it. He says, I foresee that a Great Mending is coming, things will be different, blah, blah, blah. He does a lot of sort of turning to the camera in those novels, which I quite enjoy. Uh, he's very genre savvy. Um, so what is the Mending? What actually happened? Well, the most obvious change is this change to the nature of the spark. That's the thing you always see people talking about when they talk about the mending. Right, because that's very much reflected in the characters that we see in the storyline. Instead of having these extremely powerful planeswalkers who can shapeshift and are immortal and are limited only by their access to almost infinite amounts of mana, they become more or less ordinary, super powerful spellcasting wizards who happen to be able to transport themselves from plane to plane. That's right. So, um, so that's the most obvious effect, is that you, you go from these consciousnesses embedded in the fabric of space-time, um, building themselves a body out of sheer will, to uh, human people, um, which has, that has a lot of impact. Um, it means that the multiverse is safer. In-world now, planeswalkers can go around from world to world, having adventures, having big blow-ups, without ripping holes in time. Um, they're not as powerful. They don't have, you know, as much or, or it's not as connected or whatever. Whatever that is, that, that birthmark of the soul doesn't have the ability to damage the planar fabric in that way. Um, narratively, of course, for us, it meant that planeswalkers could go from world to world and have adventures without ripping holes in their relatability as characters. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, for a, a long time, we had to have sort of these other characters in the stories that were sort of the uh, 
the reader analog or whatever that would be the relatable character, and the planeswalker characters would be secondary, and we'd ha the 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 reader analog would look at these planeswalkers and think, geez, these people are just crazy. Yeah, um, a multiverse full of uh, people who then had to be immortal uh, in order to keep following planeswalkers around on their ridiculous adventures, which is why there are so many people on Dominaria who are immortal. You have Joyra and you have Joda and all that. Um, so that was the big effect, and that's what people talk about when they talk about the mending. That doesn't really sound like a mending. Uh, that you right. know, that sounds like a great depowering. Sounds like a great depowering, and that's that's what uh, that's what some that's what some people like to talk about it as. But um, it was a lot more than just a change in planeswalkers. Um, interplanar physics changed. You can think of it like an immune response on the part of the multiverse. That planeswalkers were tearing holes in everything, and in response. Uh, the multiverse itself became decentralized, less interconnected. Um, so that had other effects besides uh, how planeswalkers worked. Uh, for one thing, and this was big, and I don't see people talk about it a lot because it's certainly true and it's, it's really interesting, all known natural planner portals, temporary and permanent, closed. It's something that wasn't obvious because we didn't draw attention to it. We didn't have somebody like, you know, bump their nose up against the, the door to the, the gate to Phyrexia and be like, oh, what's going on? I used yep. to be able to go to Phyrexia and now I can't. Um, so it was just kind of, just we just stopped mentioning planar portals for a decade. Yes. Uh, planeswalkers used to be able to take guests with them, those sidekicks who were traveling with them. Urza would take, you know, a hundred people at a time with him when he's planeswalking instantaneously from world to world. Planeswalkers can't do that anymore. You cannot go from world to world if you are an organic being who doesn't have a spark. That's not something that is possible anymore. Um, and to kind of contain any damage that happens to the multiverse. Um, Importantly, all known technologies for traversing the planes ceased to function. It's like you changed the speed of light. Uh, suddenly, GPS wouldn't work anymore, and all of these things that we rely on wouldn't work anymore. That's why the Weatherlight's uh, engine can no longer plane shift it from plane to plane. It's why Venser couldn't get plane ships to work when he was working on his workshop on, on getting, that, getting that to work. And it's why the planner bridge technology that Tezzeret acquired on Kaladesh is such a big deal. Like, even though it is inferior in some ways to some of the old planar portal technology, it can't move organic matter, um, it's the only way of getting large volumes of anything that's not a planeswalker from world to world, and that is, that's a big deal. Right, a planeswalker can take their clothing and a few small objects with them. Um, wasn't there something about uh, some sort of food stuff that... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw I saw many people, uh, or at least a few people... Watley um, took tamales with uh, her or something? Yes, yes. And it's they that moment. It's that moment when the story introduces a new character you really like and then immediately kills them off. Um, Watley's tamales did not, did not make it through the planeswalk. So what are the rules there? I don't want to give the exact rules, um, but I will say we didn't put that in by accident. Mm. Uh, the tamales rotted. That did not go so well for them. Uh, so planeswalkers are able to protect some some amount of stuff, some kinds of stuff that goes with them, uh, but they can't actually bring uh, another person or living being. I will say, there may well be in this vast, nigh infinite but not infinite multiverse, um, exceptions to this no guests rule. There could oh, be sure. there could be familiars or other weird metaphysical situations. There are many unusual sparks in the multiverse. So if we ever introduce something like that, please do not uh, put your glasses up the bridge of your nose and say, well Kelly Digg said no, no, you do not have my permission all, to do that. All of the all of the rules that we make in magic design are 
for you know are, will eventually be broken for one reason or another. The the rules mm-hmm. exist to establish a baseline, and then you uh, you violate those rules to create an interesting situation. So I'm sure at some point there will be somebody who has a special power. You know, Jace's special power is telepathy. Maybe somebody's special power is transporting a group of people with them. Or being able to bring tamales. Yes, my power is I can pack a lunch. (laughs) Yes. Um, That means that now having a spark, being a planeswalker, is the only way to go from world to world. The old continuity was just lousy with ways besides being a planeswalker to, don't call it planeswalking, but to walk... Yeah. The planes. Any any wizard who learned the spell That's right. could conceivably do that. And then, like, the first few um, magic novels, like, the main, like, instigator of conflict was these obnoxious planeswalkers are summoning us yes. and then just abandoning us wherever. We're, we're, they're summoning us into their planeswalker duel. We have to fight some ogre or something, and then they leave, and we're stuck in some other plane or some other continent, and we have to, like— Build a life there. <laughs> yeah, not a not a great look for planeswalkers in those early in those early stories. Um, so that's the effects on people. Um, it also becomes way less common to have these sort of echoes across the multiverse, um, like how the Rift era on Dominaria affected Ravnica, Kamigawa, Lore, and Shadowmoor. Um, or uh, Bolas says something in the in the Time Spiral novel about some kind of link between Ogratha and Kamigawa and the Talon Gates on Dominaria. Stuff like that tends not to happen. Happen anymore. Not saying it's impossible, but just the sort of the walls, the walls of the bubbles that keep planes in and ether out seem to be a little thicker. Um, on the other hand, you also have the example of Kaladesh, where something seems to have changed around the time of the mending. We haven't said it was necessarily because of the mending, but it was around the same time, uh, where Kaladesh's relationship to the ether changed so that the refinement and uh, use of ether became became more possible or easier or something, and you had the great ether boom. So, I will say, you know, one question that we've certainly gotten is, is Dominaria still the nexus of the multiverse? What does that mean, etc.? Given everything we know about the changes, given everything we know about how the multiverse uh, in some way, you know, the mending was, was the multiverse protecting itself, I would consider it extremely unlikely. Uh, I'm not it, making it, a ruling. It feels to me like they're, you know, if the nexus has to do with being centrally located, in a in a, a rigid structure, well, that that structure no longer exists. That's if right. it has to do with being connected by a bunch of planar portals, well, that doesn't exist anymore either. That's so right. What else is there to to define nexushood anyway? I do not believe personally that there is any such thing as a multiversal nexus in the post-mending world. I just don't think the idea applies. Um, the other thing to talk about with the mending is the part of with the mending. It was not just the multiverse repairing itself on Dominaria. It was pretty important for yeah. Dominaria to repair. Well, itself. yeah, having all of the mana draining out through these time rifts caused huge amounts of harm to the environment. Like it was, you know, we were talking about the the noses and the right. gas masks. Right. It was just. It was awful there. It was, it was almost impossible to keep living there. Yeah. Dominaria was a dying world because of these time rifts. So the mending was, all of its other effects aside, it was vital for the survival of Dominaria. When those time rifts closed, um, the mana comes flooding back into Dominaria, and you get this supernaturally fast recovery. You get life and vitality returning to the world, returning to the land really quickly. Some areas remain harder hit than others. Uh, notably, we didn't point the camera at Otaria this time really at all, you know, the original home of the Cabal. Um, there is 
one card uh, Skirk Prospector that might be on Otaria, but it's underground, so who knows. So maybe, maybe, maybe there are other parts that are not so nice, but, um, you know, the parts that we're looking at are pretty well recovered right. by this Think, point. Things aren't just growing back at their natural state. No. There, is a, there is a supernatural recovery. You yep. know, those, those pointy needle mountains are being restored back to normal-looking mountains and yep. things like that. That's what gives us the sort of vibrant renewal aspect of Dominaria. I think that's all I've got to say about the mending. All right, well, are you ready for the history question of the week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, lay it on me. All right. Trinite Zero asks... Beyond the Cephalid mirror conflict around Otaria, what other important historical conflicts have taken place in the oceans of Dominaria? Okay, so, um, yeah, the oceans of Dominaria are vast. Uh, Dominaria is two and a half times the size of Earth and 80% water because there needed to be huge gaps between these continents where very different things happened. Um, so you're referring to the conflict in Odyssey block between these kind of squid-like Cephalids um, and the Mer Empire. Well, the Zephylids kind of took over the Mer Empire from the Merfolk, and right. it's still called the Mer Empire. Which is though. weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little weird. That is weird. It's a little weird. Um, so another major oceanic conflict, rather a famous one, uh, was the Merfolk of Vodalia um, versus the Homerids uh, around the continent of Sarpedia, as shown in the set Fallen Empires. Um, uh, the Homerids really like cold water. Uh, they tend to live in oceanic trenches and stuff, but as the Ice Age set in and the climate cooled, the Homerids were able to move into shallower waters, and they all but destroyed the original Vodalian Empire near Sarpedia. Um, there have been other skirmishes between Merfolk and Homerids, as the Homerids have traversed these long trenches and gotten to new territories. Um, the Vodalians then resettled in what they call the Voda Sea uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, which explains why there's a Voda Sea in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, some Homerids still, still kind of hassling them. Um, and there was this sort of Merfolk civil war um, when the Merfolk Empress Galena and her retinue tried to teleport themselves across the planet, ended up accidentally traveling 3,000 years into the future, like you do. She was this kind of warlike despot who showed up in a more peaceful time and just reclaimed control. Uh, you know, like Napoleon popping out of nowhere and saying he's the Emperor of France again kind of a thing. And Vidalian culture is still kind of sorting itself out between the traditionalists who supported Princess Galena and the, the more progressive types who, uh, who, who were against her. Um, and of course, many other things have happened in the oceans. Like I said, they're vast. We mostly don't know what's going on down there. Um, but those are just a few of the things that have, uh, that have gone on. Brings us to our geography question of the week. This is a meaty one. This is good. Um, Alex Balhatchet asks, with the release of Future Sight, Yavamaya was mentioned as being located where Argoth once stood. This has led to some confusion, dot, dot, dot. Bit of an understatement there, mm -hmm. I guess. So I, I looked up the, uh, the quote in question from the Future Sight novel. Yavamaya, Joyra said, she saw Venser's confusion, and she said, Formerly Argoth, where the Brothers' War was fought, we saw its explosive conclusion when we were all cast into the Rift Network. So the, uh, the main characters in the Time Spiral novels went on a little jaunt to the various uh, locations of the Time Rifts and got to see what had caused the Time Rifts initially. So if you look at the maps... Um, Let's get oriented here, right? Uh, so Teresier is, is the location of both Argoth and Yavamaya. In the present day, they're both islands. So if we, if we look at New Argive, which is the, uh, the largest landmass over on the east there, 
go down to the southwest to uh, past the forested island of Corliss to this rocky island, pretty small these days, Argoth. This is where the huge forest uh, led by Titania was during the Brothers' War. Uh, Urza detonated the Silex device there, which blasted the entire island down to the bedrock, cracking the tectonic plate that it was on and destroying the, uh, the environment of Dominaria, as we discussed last episode. In the present day, nothing grows there. It is just a heap of rock spattered with bird droppings. Its only function is a resting place for Wait. migratory birds. Okay, I was just saying, if nothing lives there, then how are there bird droppings? But they're just passing through. They, they oh, just pass it. through on, their, pass on through. their way from one continent to another while they're migrating to their, their breeding grounds. Sounds like a terrible place. So what's the Yavamaya connection? So Yavamaya is a heavily forested island to the southwest of New Argive, and it's... Extremely verdant to this day. Everything is great there. Lots of trees. Plenty of birds also. Good for a forest. So I believe that Joyra was merely confused when she made this statement. All right. But clearly there is a connection between these two things, right? Because they, they saw with their eyes Urza detonating the Silex, but then they went to Yavamaya and repaired the time rift. So the time rift was there in Yavamaya. Yep. And Multani was there, and he was connected to the rift in some way. So my theory is that the initial rift was caused by the Silex blast, but perhaps uh, Freilis' world spell in some way interacted with the rift. Mm -hmm. It was a spell that was kind of related to the Silex blast. Right, it was trying to undo the Silex blast, and it was not, it was not done at Argoth. Right. It was done at Yavamaya. Yeah, I think it was More done in less. Findhorn or something. Okay, okay. Yeah, Another right. forest that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, Findhorn, Findhorn sank. But um, we've, we've sort of, as we discussed earlier, there's sort of a connection between the world spell, Yavamaya, and Multani. Yeah. Right? These yeah. things, the Multani appeared at the time of the world spell, and was, it was probably connected in some way. Multani has a, a connection to the rift in some fashion mm -hmm. in the Time Spiral novels. So I think all of these things are related. Probably the Silex blast at Argoth set it off originally. The world spell had the effect of you know, creating Multani and exacerbating the time rift. And then they went to Yavamaya and were eventually able to resolve that problem. Right, and either the rift physically wandered, which is something that is mentioned as possible. Or it's just or, big. Or it's just big, or they were, it's actually physically at Argoth and they were able to heal it through Multani's connection to it rather than by physically being there. A any of those things are plausible, but I, I would agree with you that Joy was mistaken that Yavamaya and Argoth are the same location. Yeah, it's just the, the geography just doesn't match up. Right. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Tune in next week where we will talk about, what are we talking about next uh, the week? The Church of Sarah. The Church of Sarah. So thanks for listening. I'm Ethan Fleischer. I'm Kelly Diggs. See you next week.